Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Hello, I'd like to welcome you today for a continuation in our study in this great book of Exodus. Let's pray before we begin. Father, we come to you and acknowledge that you are the one, as you said, created the eyes. That's what you told Moses. You talked about who created the mouth. We know you created the mouth and the eyes and all of us. And so, Lord, with our spiritual eyes inside, we pray that you would open them, that we might see the Lord Jesus Christ and live for having seen him. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, please follow along as I read in Exodus chapter one, and I'll begin in verse 15. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other, Puah. And he said, when ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt, called for the midwives and said unto them, why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that he made them houses and Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Now please follow along as it continue in chapter two. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank. Now, in our lesson that we saw already, we have studied these two very remarkable women because they're so remarkable because they take their stand for God in a very, very difficult situation where their very lives were at risk. And these women are so notable to God that he records for us their names that we have here, Shua and Pithra. So we saw from verse 17 and verse 21 that there was this one overriding reason above anything else, why did the midwives not kill the male babies? And that reason which is crystal clear for us and given to us in these verses is, the midwives feared God, period. 
That was the reason, that was the overriding reason, that what was in front of their minds. Now the way verse 17 explains it, it's so good. So let's look at Exodus 1.17. It says, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men's children alive. You see how that reads? It's so instructive for us. It says, the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. That verse, what's so important about that verse, what it says, if they feared God and they didn't do what the king of Egypt commanded them, but what's important to see in that verse is what it does not say. What it does not say is that the midwives feared retaliation from the Jewish mothers that they were gonna kill the babies of. Doesn't say that. It doesn't say the midwives loved babies so much. It clearly states that the midwives were afraid of what God would do to them more than they were afraid of what Pharaoh would do to them if they killed those babies. So what do we have here in these midwives? We have for the, in these people a grand encouragement for us. It's very encouraging when we look at these midwives because we find ourselves in our lives in exactly the same position that they were in. They were being asked to do something that would displease God. And that wasn't what was in front of their eyes as they thought about it. That will not make God happy. That will make God angry. If I do that, if I respect God at all, if I have him at all in reverence, if the Lord is my God at all, I cannot do that. I must not do that. That's what's going through their minds. God built them houses. Why? Because those midwives gave themselves for the building up of the families of Israel. God was building up the families of Israel in Egypt in spite of the fact that they were under a terrible pressure. God was still at work building up the families in Israel. And so because these midwives also worked to build up the families of Israel by not killing the male children, the, the, God built up the families of these midwives. You see, it was in kind. Now this shows us something very important. Whenever we look after God's interests, then God looks after our interests in the same area. When God wants to look at us and when others see us and when he sees us and the question is, what is he or she about? The conclusion God wants is that he or she is about God the Father's business. And so now the summary, exactly what is that business? That's given to us in Luke 19.10, the famous mission statement verse of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he speaks of himself as the Son of Man. He speaks of himself of the purpose for which he came into the earth, and he makes this statement for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, it's hard work to seek and to save that which was lost. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes focus, and God sees that, that time, that effort that we put in 
to doing the Father's business. That time, that effort we put in to seeking to save that which was lost is a limited time and effort. We don't have unlimited time. We don't have unlimited effort. We have limited time. We have limited effort. Verse 21 is really saying, they took care of God's business and God took care of their business. That's a biblical principle of you take care of my business and I'll take care of your business. We've seen that in what the Lord Jesus Christ said when he said, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things, and that's what he calls our business and interests, all those things shall be added unto you. So when we read verse 21 in Exodus 1, we can imagine a celebration after this happened because the the houses were built and this must have been a, a celebration afterward for the midwives because they had taken care of God's business and God had taken care of the midwives' business. I imagine people came over to these new houses, however they were, and celebrated and it was a wonderful time. But what the midwives had done by telling Pharaoh that the Jewish women were more lively and they jumped off the stools of their babies before the midwives would had came, you know, that story of what they told, that must have spread all over the place. Uh, We have it written here. That news spread all around. And the midwives were like heroes within Israel. And we can imagine the celebration at their houses. We can imagine many people coming up to them, taking both of their hands and shaking them and coming over to their new houses that God had made for them. And we can imagine the whole story as we've just read it here, being told over and over again of with the midwives. Do you know what these midwives told Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, can you believe it? And then tell us again. And the story being told with laughter. And we can imagine the Jewish women coming over to the houses and holding up their new baby boys as the prizes, look what you won, and holding them up for the midwives to see and everybody to say and turning to those, the, saying to those newborn boys that we can imagine the Jewish mother saying to those newborn boys, see those midwives, they're the reason you're alive. <laughs> you should be thanking them. We'll thank them for you later on, you'll learn. You can imagine someone in the group saying, almost in a joking way. Oh, here's the Jewish women. Boy, you sure are lively. I knew you were all lively, as lively as a bucking camel. It's just a real happy time, a real joyous time, a celebration. And someone else said, and they said that the Jewish women were not as the Egyptian women. That's a good one. And the laughter would go on. And another would say, look at these beautiful houses that God made for them. You know, that's a wonderful scene of celebration and of joy and seeing how God took care of those midwives. I wish this scene of celebration of verse 21 was the last verse in the chapter because it's such a happy thought. It's such a happy scene. But unfortunately, it's not the last verse. And the last verse tells us there was one person who was not celebrating. There was one person who was not making jokes and and congratulating him and joyful to see the male babies alive. And that person is described in verse 22, where it says, and Pharaoh charged all his people saying, every son that is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. We will always have the pharaohs in our lives as long as we're down here on earth. 
After God has taken care of us and we are happy, we need to tighten the cords of our battle helmet and expect the next attack, verse 22. Pharaoh charged all his people saying, every son that is born you shall cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. So now we see Pharaoh who's not taking this lying down and he's seen that he has been lied to. He has seen that he has been tricked. He has seen that he's been mocked by the Jewish Hebrew midwives. So he's infuriated and he says, and he decides he's not gonna work any longer with them, but he turns in a fury against the Jewish people and he turns to his own Egyptian people and gives them the same orders he gave to the midwives. Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river and every daughter ye shall save alive. Now, that's how chapter one ends. Now we come to chapter two. Chapter two starts for us the study of a wonderful person named Moses. We are going to start now in chapter two, a study in the life of Moses. The history of the life of Moses is going to be for us like a flower that's going to open. And as it does, it's going to open for us and we're going to see the history of a man named Moses, but we're also going to see a very striking parallel to the Lord Jesus Christ. The history of Moses is going to be for us like a prophecy. It's gonna be for us like a preview. It's going to be for us like a movie of a coming attraction of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Moses knew himself that his life was like this. He knew his life was like a prophecy, like a preview, like a parallel to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said these very, very important words to the Jewish people, actually three words, in a verse, when he told them what his life, what the meaning of his life, really the most valuable part of his life to the Jewish people was what? The bringing out of Egypt, even more valuable than that. Was what? The giving of the law, even more valuable of that. What was it, Moses? He told us, and if you'd like to turn to it, it's in Deuteronomy 18.15. Deuteronomy 18.15. Because here Moses is saying, I want to tell you the most valuable contribution that I have made to you, that I've given my life to you for, uh, to the Jewish people. And he says these words in Deuteronomy 18, 15. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. Catch those three words, like unto me. See it all in context. The Lord thy God will raise up. It's the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be a person who is raised up by the Lord God unto thee. In other words, that's what it was said in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. He said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Unto thee, Moses said, a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren. And as they said about the Lord Jesus Christ, is not this the son of Joseph? And do not we know his brothers? He's a Nazarite. 
and uh, he was the king of the Jews. They looked at him and they said, no question about it, he is a Jewish person. Unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren, then these words, like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. You must hearken, in other words. Very similar to Psalm 2 when it's, uh, it, it speaks about those rebelling against him and God says, I give you advice in the last verse of Psalm 2 when he says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. But these words, like unto me, the prophet that was raised up from the midst of the Jewish people that Israel had to listen to was the Lord Jesus Christ. And those three words that Moses used to tell Israel, his life would have parallels to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's the ultimate prophet that they must listen to. And he used those words, like unto me. The life of Moses was a life that was like unto the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we study the history of Moses, we wanna see how Moses was like unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses was saying that his life was like unto the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we find in chapters two and three and through the study of the book of uh, Exodus and the life of Moses is we'll see how Moses was like unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're gonna have a wonderful time studying the many ways that Moses was like unto the Lord Jesus Christ. As we study the person of Moses, we're gonna see how Moses was like unto the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, Moses was born during a time of oppression of the Jewish people, the Egyptian oppression. It says this in, in Exodus 1.22, and Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you should save alive. Let me tell you, that spells a oppression. That spells a very, very difficult time. And that's the time that Moses was born in. in. In the time of his birth, Moses was like unto the Lord Jesus Christ, who also was born during the time of oppression of the Jewish people, the Roman oppression, as it says in Luke 2, 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Why was all the world taxed? Why was Israel taxed? Because they were under the heel, the oppression of the Romans, just as during Moses' day they were under the heel and the oppression of the Egyptians. We will see how Moses was miraculously preserved as a baby during three months of his life as we will see in the verse that we read already in Exodus 2.2. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. In that preservation, which wasn't easy, during those three months, Moses was like unto the Lord Jesus Christ, who also was miraculously preserved from a murderous Herod, who asked the wise men who came for his birth to reveal where he was in Bethlehem so Herod could kill him, as it says in Matthew 2, 7 through 8. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search diligently for the young child, and when you found me, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Herod had no intention at all at worshiping him. Herod wanted to kill the competitor, one who was called the king of the Jews. 
we're going to see that Moses was miraculously saved as a three-month-old baby from drowning in the River Nile, as it says in Exodus 2-3, and when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. In that saving, Moses was like unto the Lord Jesus Christ, who also was miraculously saved when Herod had all the Jewish children from two years old and younger murdered, massacred. But the Lord Jesus Christ, before he did that, before Herod did that, was sent down into Egypt, as it says in Matthew 13 to 16, and when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Pharaoh in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then we're going to see that Moses was elevated to be Pharaoh's son and heir to the throne of Egypt. Moses must have thought, I'm just like Joseph. I've been taken out of a, Joseph was taken out of a prison, I was taken out of a river to be elevated in Egypt, as it says in Exodus 2.10, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, for she, she said, because I drew him out of the water. In that elevation, Moses was like unto the Lord Jesus Christ, who also was elevated following his resurrection, as it says in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Moses made a decision. He made a very vital decision, as we will see, to be faithful to the Jewish people. That decision meant that he also decided to forsake Egypt, as it says in Hebrews 11, 23 through 27. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By the way, that phrase, he endured as seeing him that is invisible, we could also apply that to the midwives. They endured by seeing him that is invisible. In that decision, Moses refused Egypt in order to save Israel. And in that decision, Moses was like unto 
the Lord Jesus Christ, who also decided to refuse the world in order to save Israel, when in faithfulness to the Jewish people, he forsook the wealth, the comfort, from the offer of the kingdoms of this world that was made to him by the devil when the devil said to him in Matthew 4, 8 through 10, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he saith unto them, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. 